Discussing Network. Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we continue our Best of TOS series as we review the penultimate episode of the final season of Star Trek The Original Series, All Our Yesterdays. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkie, Kyle Jones. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. I'm in looking forward to going over this. I thought this was a good episode, so I don't want to get into it, but I'll just say, yes, glad to be here. Always glad to be on the show. Can't wait to get into this. Yeah, that is interesting to hear because I felt like we were going to be mixed on this one, but <laughs> unfortunately, the rest of the crew isn't here for tonight's reviews as you and I, you know, we're helming the ship and we'll make sure we, you know, uh, get get it to where it's supposed to go. <laughs> So far in our best of TOS series, we have reviewed Balance of Terror, Space Seed, The City on Edge of Forever, Amok Time, The Doomsday Machine, Journey to Babel, The Immunity Syndrome, Return to Tomorrow, Assignment Earth. And the final episode in our best of TOS series is All Our Yesterdays. Now, we may do an honorable mention episode because we did get some feedback. So we may do an honorable mention. But um, until we have this set of stone, you know, this is this we're rounding it out right here. So what we do on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are currently listening on to make sure, you know, you don't miss an episode. And those reviews really help us get discovered and bump us up just a little bit in the algorithm. All Our Yesterdays is the 23rd and penultimate episode of the third and final season of Star Trek. The episode was first broadcast on March 14th, 1969. When Kirk, Spock, and McCoy investigate the disappearance of a doomed planet's population, they find themselves trapped in different periods of that world's past. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. And as we do on each and every episode, we go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. He gives us the he gives us the tea on what's going on in the episode. There you go. Uh, well said. Well said. And you know what? I'm really sad that the other guys are not here because they have had to listen to sometimes a paragraph or two of <laughs> uh, content whenever I write this. And this one is actually short. It's 11 words, two sentences, but made me grin from ear to ear. You, my friend, are definitely going to appreciate it. So I still get that brain buzz from saying it. So are you ready for it? Interesting. I am very, very ready for your beats. What do you have All for us, right. sir? Here we go. The Enterprise has left the library. The Enterprise has been oh, saved. God. Oh, God. The Enterprise has left the library. The Enterprise has been saved. Oh. I rest my case. So you had to make a reference to that, you know, that Doctor Who episode that kind of, you know, was a knockoff of this episode in sort of kind of some way, shape, mm -hmm. form of fashion. Are you trying to accuse me of like rebranding? Donna Noble has left the library. <laughs> Donna Noble has been saved. What I said had nothing to do with Donna Noble. Come on now. Uh, sure, sure. I believe you completely, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, whenever I watched this, it was like, 
I started grinning as I was watching because I was like, I know what I'm going to do for this. So cool. I'm so glad I got to do it. Oh, man. With that said, what are your overall thoughts on the episode? I thought it was a good episode. I liked the fact that Leonard Nimoy got to show a little different side of Spock. I do have a little bit of a problem with it, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I really kind of thought it was a good Spock episode. And it further solidified that I don't like Dr. McCoy. Oh, you hate her. You hate her. I'm so sorry. I know everybody that's listening and is in it. TOS fan is like, what is wrong with this guy? Well, maybe something's wrong with me, but I just don't like him. Oh, man. Uh, As for me in this episode, I thought it was a pretty good episode. I agree with you 100% that it is a showcase for Leonard Nimoy as as Spock gets to go uh, be a little different in this episode, which I thought was great. You, You say that you don't like bones and you know his performance solidified that in this episode but i thought it was a great struggle between him and spock in this episode and 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 i love them kind of going back and forth i did have some issues with the time stuff which i'm sure we'll talk about it uh but ultimately i think i i think i liked the episode i don't know if i loved it but i think i liked it yeah i'm kind of with you there's it's not a love of it it's 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 an appreciation for me of what they t- attempted to do, considering the time it was. And I, but yeah, I liked it. So we have a very familiar thing here. The sun is about to go supernova with a M class planet named Sar- Sarpedian, Sarpedon within its system. And it should be inhabited by a humanoid species, but scanners are showing no intelligent life. Enterprise and her crew go to investigate. Trouble ensues as they try to uncover how an entire planet of people could just disappear. So let's get into the the, 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 the first part of this, the arrival. And that's when, you know, our team of, of uh, Spock, Kirk and McCoy actually beam down to the planet. Interesting thing at the start, Spock mentions that this race of people had no advanced flight capability. That goes into maybe one of my biggest problems with the episode. And maybe you could help me out, Cal. This race of people are not spacefaring at all, right? They can't right. go to the stars. Yet, they have this highly advanced time travel system. Does, does, does that make any sense? No, that's one of my issues. (laughs) My thought is it would be easier to, you know, build, and I'm just going to be blunt here, to build a big boom that goes up and goes up and goes up and keeps going up than to get something that takes person and moves person back in time to me, that's a whole heck of a lot more sophisticated than space travel. Yeah, yeah. Just my trying to rationalize that in my head. It just seems weird that they're doing time travel, but they can't. And the highly sophisticated time travel now, you know, they're just not happening to, to land in some specific place. They have everything cataloged in this library and they are able to go to specific points in time. But yet they're not spacefaring just find it really 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 weird 
And maybe they should have just explained it or, you know, given that explanation, if they would have said this particular race chose to devote their energy into time research as opposed to, you know, exploratory research for whatever reason, for reasons, who it doesn't really matter, then that would just have gelled it a little bit better, for me at least. I guess I could see that. And with that being said, another huge issue I had with the episode, wouldn't the prime directive prevent the Enterprise from actually interfering with this, with the nat- natural evolution, which would be, you know, death by supernova of this non-spacefaring planet? It seems like they wouldn't be able to intervene. See, I'm hearing my inner Jonathan Shorts right now giving a lesson about what the Prime Directive says. So somewhere in reality, I'm hearing Jonathan say that. But that being said, my question is, did they did they interfere? Their aim was to interfere. The aim was to save the... Well, I assumed uh, that their aim was to go and save is these people. Or were they just observing and noticed that they were all were gone and then went to investigate? And maybe this is my assumption. I took it as they were going to investigate. There's nobody on this planet, and it's an M-class planet, But and there's structures. What happened to all the people? I thought it was by happenstance that they got there and things were about to go boom. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I need to dig in a little bit deeper and see and and, and try to square why they were actually there. Because I wasn't sure if it was just to observe or actually try to save the people. Obviously, one ship, the Enterprise, couldn't save the entire race of people. So maybe they were just there to, to observe. Indeed. So what do you think of Mr. Atos? So I thought he was a cool character. And then researching <laughs> this episode, I learned something about his name. And now I can't get what I know about his name out of my head because I think it's so freaking cool. Interesting. Let's let's do tell, sir. So he's the librarian, right? Yes. And his name is A-T-O-Z. A to Z. Uh, oh my God. It's right there in front of me. I know. And I did not get it until, like I said, reading it. And now every time I see his name, I'm seeing librarian A to Z. Oh my God. That is cool in itself. Yes. <laughs> Right there in front of me. Jeez. Yes. Too cool. But 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 to answer your question, I thought they did a very good play without doing special effects by using the actor repeatedly and the way they shot the scenes. It really felt like there were multiple versions of him and they were never on the scenes at the same time, never on the screen. I thought they did a great job of doing this visual effect without actually doing a visual effect. Yeah, yeah. Will the real Mr. A to Z please stand up? That's what I feel yes. myself saying. <laughs> but yeah, I do agree that the special effects were re- done really well there. And, you know, of course, we're thinking, oh, is this a hologram? Is this an android? I don't think we ever got a clear delineation of what was what. But he does throw one of them in the, in the brig or in a room and locks it. And then he turns back around and grabs the other. So it seems like they were physical form, but right. we never get a clue whether it's just like a hollow, a, a, a touchable hologram or just, you know, some Android. 
But in any case, I really loved the character. And it was kind of weird because he was definitely there to make sure all of the people get away safely. But it still seems like he had some ulterior motive in some sense that I could never uncover. Yes, 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 yes. And, And further into the story, I started wondering, is he more than what we thought him to be? But I don't think we ever got a solid answer to that. I don't think we did either. Now, Zarabeth mentions a tyrant king that sent her to her time frame. Zorkan might have been the name of it. And I was thinking they were going to, you know, make Mr. Atos to be Zorkan or this tyrant king. But no, he's just the librarian. <laughs> or or was he? Because that's where I was going with that was I was thinking for a moment that he was actually who sent her. And maybe that's just an assumption that he's the one sending them. And that's where I started thinking, is there a little bit of ulterior sinister about him? Yeah. And and I couldn't really square it. I really think he was just trying to do his job in the end. So, yeah, that's part of the episode. I don't think it was explained very well, unless, you know, we're just missing something that's obvious. (laughs) But the library, you know, let's talk a bit about the concept of the library, which I guess we've touched on. And this Atavacron, which I thought was pretty cool. But as far as a science fiction concept, we talked about the library and these portals that can take you to different areas uh, or time periods. What do you think about that concept of, of itself where they can peer into these different time periods and actually go there if they've been prepared, quote unquote? So I think from the way it was described. And since I had to bring up the Doctor Who reference of a similar story in, what, 30s, 40-something years later, the concept of the library there was people were just uploaded into this, I guess, real-world scenario of the present. This seems so much more interesting, honestly, because you get this idea of Clarence wants to go to the future. Well, maybe not the future, but this version, and I want to go back 300 years differently. We both get what we want. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And I really love that. And of course, you know, we talk about the, the, how this relates to the force, the force of the dead, the doctor episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and how they were doing something similar, but they were pretty much going into more of a mainframe type thing instead of actually going to a place. I did find this very interesting, but I thought on the face of it, it was very problematic because if you're sending your own people to the past, wouldn't it be like a never ending cycle of, of messing up time? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, unless the, the uh, and it's kind of weird because it hurt, hurts my brain to think about it. Unless how we got to this point already is a result of those people going back and they were always meant to go back. You know how you do that. With yes. Do, do they create their own destruction? Oh, actually, I never thought about that. But maybe their presence created their own destruction, which I think if they would have just done a throwaway line for that, that would have made all our yesterdays as a title so much freaking better. Yeah, it's very, it's very much uh, a 
hurts my brain to think about, you know, they're going back into their own past and that could, you know, definitely influence their future. And, and all of that really as as just a concept that had me thinking and had me very interested, you know, in how this would play out. Now, I was, Hello, I'm my own grandfather. <laughs> I mean, yeah. literally. Now, I will say that and I just researched this just an ancillary Google search and this could be totally wrong. But I believe all our yesterdays, it, it comes from Macbeth. And, and let me read this little excerpt that um, that I have from the, the, the web. And maybe this will make some sense. Macbeth is glorified for his violent past and basked in its light, if you will. The light of those yesterdays shine on Macbeth, casting a dark, sorrowful shadow for his other side, his future. So uh, you have the full line. Go ahead and quote the full line. I think you have it there. Well, I, I, if I, I was trying to remember it because I, that was one of the few things that I remembered from high school uh, English. But I did find the line, and it's from Macbeth. Act 5, scene 5, line 22, actually. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candles. And that's where the line comes from. Interesting, interesting. So we definitely need our, you know, literary scholars on. To the thing, I do know that that has where, where that uh, line comes from. I think it is... Maybe Lady Macbeth that's saying that for the out, out, brief candle. Um, it's where, or is that out, out, down spot? Anyway, um, it's where they have done something and it's coming back to haunt them and all that such and forth. So again, if you want to go with what you said about them going into the past, all our yesterdays, and I'm talking about where the... Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, their past was coming back to haunt them. Oh. Maybe mm. you really hit on something, you know, quite profound there. Well, we and we do see in the episode that maybe not Spock's past specifically, but the history of his race, the violent, you know, history of his race is coming to haunt him in this episode. So can I ask you about that, please? I, that That is my big question. So if you don't mind, you said we could bounce around. Can I ask you about that right now since you brought it yeah, up? Yeah, go for it. That freaking bothered me. It really, 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 really bothered me because the the concept of Spock saying, I am X number of years, I mean, I'm millions of light years from my home planet of where they are. And yes, they're in 5,000 years in the past, but my brain cannot wrap around the fact that just because Spock goes into the past, his emotions start coming to the forefront and he's aggressive and whatever and so forth. I just don't see that happening well. with what do you think? Well, there's a, a line in the episode, and if you didn't catch it, and I didn't catch it until my second view, uh, watch back. But Zarabeth, which sounds like Zarabeth to me, Zarabeth explains that when you pass through the portal, your basic cellular structure is adjusted for the time period in which you enter. Ah, then hello, then that makes so much better sense. Yeah, so knowing that Spock would have reverted back to the barbaric ancient Vulcans who darn near killed themselves as, as Bones mentions and I think even Spock mentions in the episode 
So that that's what it. I didn't get it at first at all. I just went back and watched it and caught that one line through, on the second viewing. But that that's kind of explains why yes, he's and that makes sense to me. But 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 without having the knowledge of what you just said, I was thinking <laughs> there's no way that that the okay. So I even went so far as to say if they were on Vulcan. And this was set 5,000 years in the past. And because they are a telepathic race and he is around people of his own species, I could see that by osmosis having an impact on him. But millions of light years away, it made no sense. But it does with what you said. Yeah. And I I actually love the seeing that we get to see Spock become increasingly irritated and irrational. We also (laughs) we also see him, you know. I uh, have the last straw with McCoy's insults that he's hurling at the, the Vulcan all the time. You know, <laughs> he's just, I'm tired of it. I mean, he's, he's, he's finally expressing here at the end of the series that he's had enough, <laughs> which I really love. And, you know, what's, what's strange even more is that we finally see Spock just give up, which is not a characteristic you see coming, coming from him often. So, but did he give up or did he was it alpha male in the sense that what what do you mean alpha male in the sense that he was trying to control the situation or uh, well, in the uh, sense in that con- he found a love interest in Zara? Yes, that 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 sense. Yeah, what what's strange is that at first, you know, again, before going back and catching that line, I thought, was he going through pump far? You know, what was actually going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But but what was happening is that he was reverting to a much more more primal um, uh, era of his species. So what what are your thoughts on on Spock and Zarabeth? Any any initial thoughts? I I thought she did a great job, Mariette Hartley. I can't remember. She's been on a lot of stuff in the seventies and eighties. I don't remember exactly what she may have been on Dallas or Dynasty. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure. I think she was on some soap operas. Yeah, as I looked through so. Her. I recognize the name. I recognize the face. I just don't know exactly what. I thought she did a great job. She and Leonard Nimoy did a great job. I loved the twist of the idea that she may have an ulterior motive for saying you're going to die if you go back, you know, because she's alone there. And being alone makes you do things you might not normally do so yeah i just thought she saw the here comes a breathing male specimen (laughs) and hello i'm staying here or i'm gonna see what i can do to make him stay And, and let me frame it real quick because um i have this line written here fools rush in so kirk hears a scream he runs into the portal first he's taken to some I don't know, uh, the Three Musketeers era <laughs> while, while Bones and Spock go through as to follow him and they go to this, uh, what, frigid, Arctic, Ice Age type uh, era as well. And that's how they, of course, meet Zarabeth. She kind of helps them out. Uh, but I, I love Zarabeth. I thought that she was, you know, when she took the cloak off, wink, wink. But she was definitely appealing to Spock's loneliness by expressing her own loneliness to him in this episode, which I thought that was just, that was fantastic. I also love their interactions where Spock, you know, he is just head over heels 
invested in her seemingly. And I, I love that where he had that realization moment when he kind of comes to his senses, when, you know, he eats the meat. I ate this meat and I liked it. And the attraction he had for Zarabeth that that he seemingly could not control and with maybe a little nudging from bones, he eventually comes to his senses. So speaking of Leonard Nemo in this episode and him uh, interact interacting uh, with Zarabeth, I, I thought all that was 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 freaking fantastic. I love McCoy calling Zarabeth on her BS. <laughs> now that I do, I give him credit for that. Yes, I do give him credit for that. Yeah, and we have uh, Spock even almost taking McCoy out, which you know I thought I, that probably made you happy because you. Don't, Okay, okay, so here's my thing with McCoy. It's not the actor. I think the actor does a great job of making this character who this character is. And maybe he's just a character of his time, but I don't see that he would work on Discovery. So let me ask you this. Would McCoy work on Discovery? I think he may. Cause, okay. Cause, cause I don't, I don't think he's chauvinistic. I just think he has a bad bedside manner, which, you know, if Voyager fans will know the, 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 the EMH had a very horrible bedside manner when he first, uh, was activated. So I just think he has a somewhat of a bad bedside manner. Um, but he's loving to his friends, though. I definitely get that he's loving to his friends. And I don't think he's chauvinistic in any in any. No, and I don't mean he's chauvinistic, but like, here's the here's what I wrote down. It, he said, you stubborn, thick headed Vulcan. <laughs> he gets it so straight, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I get that. But I'm looking at it in a different lens. And I'm like, you're being speciesist whatever in a little bit if that's a, if that's even a, a word well we're coining it here he's being species uh, i love he's it he's been species uh, xenophobic but 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 definitely um almost think his interactions with spock is almost a loving um a loving what's the word conflict or loving type of relationship that they have a, a, a love hate or not not love hate but almost Almost two brothers that don't get along, but don't let somebody else talk about the other one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely the fact that you see him trying to make uh, trying to get a reaction out of Spock. You know, so I believe some of that is just him trying to get a reaction out of Spock. I feel kind of the same way when you think of Neelix and and, uh, Tuvok's relationship. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Mr. Vulcan. Yes, yeah, he, okay. He's always right. egging him on, you know. He, you know he's not going to respond. He's not going to. Yeah. Re- whereas I guess it is very, very similar, except with Neelix, it was more of a playful banter, whereas this is more of a almost antagonistic a little bit. But what would be really cool, and I know there are people who watch that send suggestions, I would love to be proved wrong. And I know there are many episodes that we have not watched. So if there's anybody listening that has a suggestion that that I can go watch and get a better appreciation of McCoy, even if it's one of the movies, send it in. I will go watch it. Even if we don't review it on the show proper, I will watch it and give my two cents. So please prove me wrong. You heard it, folks. A call to act from Cal Jones to you, the listener. Give us a Dr. McCoy episode that will paint him in a pleasurable light. And I will say I was wrong. <laughs> so I also want to say about Zarabeth, too, that 
one thing that one of her reactions that really, you know, we talked about them being time travelers rather than spacefaring. She finds it weird that Spock is an alien. She can't get over that, but yet they're traveling through time. You know? Yes. Like, really? Really? <laughs> so, so here, let me ask you this. This was something that I didn't get, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Why and what purpose did your genetic code need to be rewritten for you to go to that time? That didn't quite make sense to me. Yeah, it could be the. T- I'd have to equate it to maybe the technology they're using, uh, the way they're mm, transporting. Okay. That's the only way I can really square it. Um, but but yeah, it does seem just a a a element that's there for the story to make sense. Though I do like it. I do like it. So so again, you know, uh, I, I was like, damn, when Zorb Zorb removed the cloak. But uh, Kyle. Where else? You mentioned some of the stuff. Maybe she's been on soap operas, but uh, Mary Loretta Hartley has been on a show I know you've seen, and it was one of my favorite shows growing up. And she was none other than Dr. Carolyn Fields on the Incredible Hulk TV series. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Now, now, hello, hello, hello. That's where I've seen her, yeah. amongst other things. But yes, now I know why that name is so familiar yes okay thank you yeah when i looked it up and saw that picture like oh man i used to love this show yes the greatest the greatest uh so let's let's just talk a little bit about kirk's foray into the portal his wasn't his was really kind of not much going on in my opinion we got to see him do a very cool swashbuckling uh sword fight which i thought was interesting it looked cool but other than that you know he went to prison sprung himself and went back to the portal you know so he didn't have a lot to do in this episode to be honest but i really think that was a weird mashup because i when it is and because it was like you said we've got the three musketeers and the salem witch trials kind (laughs) of but whoever the actor was that played the lady that he rescued and the way she turned on him that was so freaking cool now she was annoying to me she was she got on my nerves because like you said she just turned on him in a dime after he's pretty much just saved her at the beginning of of the episode but but yeah i do like how they're seeing these voices and this guy appearing out of nowhere is like a witch makes total sense right right (laughs) so i thought all that was 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 interesting though you know again i don't think Kirk had much to do, at least in this part of the episode. Well, I think that was what I thought was cool about this episode is the character of Kirk gets sent off to this not very, um, not very menacing, easy for him to get out of, not even really delved into an almost comical aspect of the story of the comic relief, which is usually what Spock or Bones would have received. Whereas the reverse is kind of happening where you see Spock with Bones, whereas usually you would have seen Kirk with Spock or Kirk with Bones. I just thought that the switching of the focus, I guess is the best word, the the switching of the focus just was kind of cool and i liked have him having a less substantial story 
Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely, I feel like this was Leonard Nimoy's episode, I really do, and to me, he, he shined in it. So, getting to the, what I'm just calling the escape, again, I'm not quite sure why Mr. Etaz was so adamant on getting rid of Kirk. I, I, maybe there's a book or something that explains this a bit more, but to, to me, he really had no reason for being antagonistic toward them. Of course, he didn't make them go into the portal to begin with. Kirk was running off to help somebody. But it seemed like when Kirk got back, he was not really helpful until Kirk kind of forced him, forced him to <laughs> to help him out. Yeah, I kind of thought that, too. And I I saw it from my watching because, again, I thought that he was for a second there, you know, like this bad guy that they were talking about. But I kind of saw it as... We're getting down to the final minutes of the countdown. You need to leave because maybe I haven't set my own calibrations and et cetera so that I can go where I want to go. Leave. Stop bothering me so I can leave the library and be saved. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Total sense. So we get to the point where we find out that uh, Zarabeth says that they can't go back through, but we find out through Bones' persistence that, you know, that's not entirely true, that they could possibly go back through, but she could not. And we've seen through this episode of Spock having this affection for Zarabeth and becoming very attached to her, which leads to and a really almost an impossible decision. You know, I, I kind of say impossible decision in all these episodes, but really the choice is made for Spock because he kind of wanted to stay there with Zarabeth. And if not for the requirement that he go back through with Bones, he may have given up his life in the future. Yeah. And who's to say that that was wrong? But what was cool about that was, I think that, li- yes, the, the necessity that he had to go back with was probably at least 60%. But the other of it, I think, whether it was 40, 30, whatever, was the logic of Vulcanism, you know, the Vulcan logic that we keep hearing about is what he says when they get back about, well, she's been dead for 5,000 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have that that line written down where um, Bones is like, you can't deny it happened. You know, he's just still egging on. (laughs) And then then Spock's like, yes, it happened. But that was 5,000 years ago. And she is dead now, dead and buried long ago, which just kind of is a cold deduction of logic from, you know, are now reverted back to normal Spock. But I just feel sad for him in that moment, to be honest. I did too. But is it any of the less sense of truth? And it's not because it was 5,000 years ago. And yes, there there's dust literally left, not bones, dust after 5,000 years, if at that. Yeah, but but again, like to see Spock after he was able to let his hair down in a sense to to you know be back in the future with with nothing, uh, just just kind of a sad thing for me. So, so this is one of the reasons I think, and I want to thank you for coming up with the idea of going back and revisiting these because this made me interested in seeing how this new Star Trek that we're going to be getting with the original 
you know, Captain Pike series. I'm curious as to what directions that we will get to see Ethan Peck take Spock's younger self. And I know that has absolutely nothing to do with the episode that we're watching, but literally as I'm watching that, I'm a couple of times thinking, hmm, you know, this this is Spock as he's older. I really thought a couple of times what he was when he was younger, and we've seen that, yeah. but it just made me more interested in the character and the fact that we're going to get to see that, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's almost like I'm thinking, um, wow, I'm thinking like Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One, and, and even the prequels, to say that I'm wondering will Strange New Worlds slowly edge our characters, number one, uh, Captain Pike and Spock, closer toward what we know from um, the pilot slash once we in and going into the the original series. I wonder how they're going to make that transition, even even character wise, nuance in the characters and aesthetically as well. You know, that's going to be an interesting thing for them to do. And I just hope they do a good job that a job well enough to please the the rabbit fans. (laughs) Well, the cool thing that makes me feel like they will is this to me is a series and I know we're diverging, but and I'm sorry for that. But this to me is a series that. The, span, the fans spoke, and if, if for any truer sense of the word, this is a series that was created because of fan feedback, in my opinion. Yeah, and as we will know, great things can come from fan feedback, as the Snyder Cut. Yeah, yes, I, I, <laughs> hey, I, I will give you that, absolutely, oh, you're right. With you. that, was, that was a dig. <laughs> no, but, 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 but it may be a dig, but it's me saying, yes, you're 100% right. Well, yeah, awesome. And that totally brings us to the end of this review. You know, did I love this episode head over heels? Probably not. But I think there's a bunch of good things in there as well as Leonard Nimoy's performance is just great as, you know, when we get to dive more into his character and get him to get to see him break out of his normal Vulcan self. I think all of that is always awesome. And, you know, I give this a four. What about you, Cal Jones? You know what? I'm going to give the sh- the show itself a four, but I'm sitting here laughing and grinning from ear to ear, knowing that we brought this review to an end when I proclaimed Clarence Brown was right. And oh. he said, oh, well, that brings our review to an end. I was like, yes, for that, I will give it a five. You know, I got to just take that sound bite and just play it over and over. You want to record it and play it over and over. Yeah, you know, put on loop, you know, just, just yeah, just, just record it and play it. Just yeah. you know, you know how they did the um the oh, what's the guy's name from Falcon and the Winter Soldier? They did the dancing video uh, yes. with him. Yeah, uh, Zemo. Yeah, Zemo. The Zemo dancing video. I'm just do like a Cal Jones, Clarence is right video and just let it loop on YouTube. Yeah, you know? I will be glad to record it for you if you would like. <laughs> but we digress. We, we digress. digress. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. I thought this was a great one. All jokes aside. I enjoyed it. It uh, I can't complain anything about it. And I would go so far as to give it maybe, a, I think I said a four. I'll go so far as to give it a 4.5. I have nothing bad to say about it. And there you go. So that's a four from me and a 4.5 from Cal Jones. Mr. Jones, what have you been working on listening to podcast related or otherwise? 
You know what? I watched a series. I didn't watch an episode. I watched a series of something called Solos on Amazon Prime this weekend. And I said, oh, I'll check out one episode. And the next thing I knew, I checked out, I think there were six or seven, eight, however many of them there was, whether five, six, eight. I watched all of them in one day. And I thought it was overall a very, very interesting and kind of thoughtful uh, story. So, Solos, Amazon Prime. There you go. That's that's what I've been doing lately, amongst other things. Yeah, and I, I did watch the first episode of that, um, which... I kind of had issues with how time works in that episode, kind of. But, you know, um, it was an interesting episode and I can't wait to watch a little bit more of that. So that's going to be my suggestion to check out Solos on Amazon Prime or Amazon TV. Um, really, really uh, interesting show. Um, so, yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. Guys, as we always say, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on all of the social medias. Send in fan mail or, you know, user feedback into fans at discussingtrek.com and thank you for just listening and you know riding along as, as me and Cal uh, <laughs> ran it for about an hour we really appreciate it and until next time guys live long and prosper Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Hey everybody, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. Our team is excited to share with you our newest podcast and limited series, Debriefing and Cocktails, our official 007 podcast. From tropes to theme songs, we break down every single James Bond film, culminating with the long-awaited new movie, No Time to Die. Subscribe to Debriefing and Cocktails today via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. Visit realitybreached.com for more details. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.